0: Please.
1: Welcome to another edition of Truth and Rhythm, brought to you by FunkinStuff.net. This is the interview show that gets deep in the pocket with contemporary music's foremost masters of the groove. I'm your host, Scott Doctor Jake Skolfein, musicologist and author of Everything's on the One, the first guy to funk. If you don't have your copy, get on over to Amazon to pick one up. You'll be so glad you did. Whether you're watching the video version of this at FunkinStuff.net or on YouTube, or listening to the audio-only podcast version. From providers like iTunes and Spotify, as always, I thank you so much for your continued interest and support in the show. Speaking of which, if you haven't already done so, subscribe to the Funkin' Stuff channel on YouTube. That's where Truth and Rhythm lives. All kinds of goodies you'll get uh, early premieres, and it's all free. So make sure you sign up. Tell a friend. Tell family. Also, get your official Truth and Rhythm and Funkin' and Stuff gear at the FunkinStuff.net store. Cool stuff like I'm wearing right here. Truth and Rhythm shirts. Show your support and love of the show, and also the musicians and the music that they represent. Um, also, I want to give a shout out to the Funk Exhibition Center and Hall of Fame in Dayton, Ohio, of which I'm very proud to be an official Funk Ambassador. Go to funkcenter.org to learn more and keep the funk alive. And now, with all that, it's time to get on with the show. Enjoy. I'm pleased to welcome to the Truth and Rhythm mothership drummer Don Juan Martin, also known as Tiger Martin, on stage and on record during the 1960s and 70s. He provided the deep pocket rhythms for funk and R&B legends like James Brown and the JBs, Marvel Whitney, Hank Ballard, Bobby Bird, Bootsy Collins, and the Spinners. Through the years. Some confusion and misinformation has circulated about who played what on particular JB and Bootsy tracks. And so it's wonderful to have Tiger here to help set the record straight.
0: Tiger, how are thank you? Oh, man, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for joining the show. Uh, thank you for asking me, man.
1: So, uh, you know, big fan. You know, I, I know I've heard you on some tracks and some tracks maybe. be I wasn't knowing that I heard you, but uh, we're looking forward to uh, finding out. You know when you laid down those tracks.
0: Well, you know, I uh, when we started playing for James, I recorded everything from cold. First, the first record he had out was Cold Sweat when we got with him, and from Cold Sweat to the big payback, I recorded most of the stuff in between that time. Wow. Uh, uh, I recorded Sex Machine, I Feel Good, Popcorn, um, Super Bad, uh, Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud. I recorded a lot of stuff that they gave credit to Clyde and Jabbo, you know. And uh, I didn't, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't worried about who got credit for what, because at least I knew what I did. And we never got paid. James never paid us for recording. You know, we had signed a contract with him when we first got with him, and he was supposed to give us two pennies for every record he sold. We never got a dime. <laughs> and we recorded all the time. You know, for a while, he was having records coming out every, just about every month or every two weeks. He was just, when once King gave him his own label, he was going crazy, recording all the time. Right. And then when we first got with King Records, me, Boosie, and, uh, Cat, uh, we was with this guy named Charles Spurling. Charles Spurling was an A and R man for King Records, and we did all his recording. We was his rhythm section, and uh, and that's how James heard about us, you know, because he kept coming in the studio, seeing us in the studio recording, and he kept asking, "Who are these guys? These little young guys playing?" You know. How how did how, we- how, how, how did you meet uh, Bootsy and Catfish? Well, me and Catfish started in a band together. Uh, Cat was a bass player. He wasn't a guitar player. He was a bass player. And Boosie wanted to be just like him. That's why Boosie started playing bass. So me and Cat was playing with a band called Maurice Gibson and the Mystics. And uh, Maurice was a keyboard player and a guitar player. And we had this girl named Randy Crawford. The song Streetlight with the Crusader, she was our female singer in the band. And Cap played bass, and we had a saxophone player. So after the band broke up, me and Cap was trying to find a guitar player to play with us, and we could never find a guitar player. But his brother Boosie, they band broke up, so we got together one day because Cap was working at an ice cream plant. And one day we went down to the ice cream plant and talked about it, and Phelps decided to give Boosie his bass. And we took Boosie Old Raggedy bass and traded it in for a guitar for Cat. And that's how we started out, you know, and we started a band called The Pacemakers. And then we, you know, we just practiced and practiced and played at nightclubs. We weren't making that much money when we first started out. We was making like $30 a piece a night, you know. And uh, Were you born in Cincinnati? Yeah, yeah, I was born and raised in Cincinnati, uh-huh. you know. And Charles uh, you know, Ferland happened to come to a club we was playing at, in Avondale, and he heard us playing, and he asked us to join him and record, help, you know, record his records. So we recorded stuff like him, for him, and uh, Connie Austin, and uh, Junior McCann, stuff that he was producing. We did a lot, of, and um, uh, uh, Peggy and Artie Sherman, we recorded a lot of them records. And if you can look on King Records, you see all them artists that we recorded behind them all Charles Sprell and stuff. You know, we recorded all his stuff. And then um like I said, James seen us and he asked us to play behind Hank Ballard, So we quit playing with Charles and we start. we signed a contract to work for James. And we start playing for B so playing for Hank. We recorded his last album at King Record, but Hank kept leaving us. You know, every time we got paid at the end of the night, we go back to the hotel. Hank Ballard would leave and, not, and take all the money with him and, and leave us at the hotel. So we would have to call Jane's manager, Mr. Bobbitt, and tell Mr. Bobbitt, like, we, we stranded. We ain't got no money. We had this hotel. Hank left us. So we had already recorded Marvel Whitney album in the process. So Marvel was in Augusta getting ready to gig. And we were somewhere down south. So they told us to meet Martha in Augusta and start playing behind her. So that's what we did. We started playing behind Marva.
1: And, Tiger, and and, this is about uh, what what year, would you say? Uh, 69, around 69, going on to 70. And about about how
0: old were you and
1: Cat when you first started playing together?
0: Uh, now, me, I didn't start playing drums until I was about 17 or 16. I don't know how Cat was a couple of years. I'm 70 years old right now. So Cat had to be at least three or four years older than me. And I was like two years older than Boosie, you know? So it was like that. Cat was the oldest. So we relied on Cat being the band leader and taking care of all the business mm-hmm. for us. And uh, so once we start recording for, uh, we recorded for Hank, then we recorded for Marva. We went, we went on tour with Marva, then every time James, at a review show, we was the opening act, you know, Marvel, Whitney, and we called ourselves the Blackenizer band, so we was playing behind Marvel and, and Hank Ballard, we called ourselves the Blackenizers, and uh, so we used to, when James played at the Apollo, where mm-hmm. we played at, we was the opening act for him, you know, at a review show, and uh, so at the Marvel quit. After we played at the Palo one night, she quit, went back to Kansas City. And we went back to Cincinnati. Uh, We just playing at nightclubs again still, you know, as the pacemakers. And uh, one night, uh, this guy named Petey, Petey, I can't stand the Petey last name, but he was James Brown Yes Man. He did everything James asked him to do. And uh, he came to the club one night and told us that, They wanted us to come where he was at. And I think we had to fly on his private jet to Columbus, Georgia, or Columbus, South Carolina, one or two. And uh, he had us walking down the middle of the aisle, of the auditorium, and all the people were still there waiting for them to come on stage. But the band, Major and was in another dressing room, saying that they weren't going to play for James until he paid them some more money. So James brought us in and had us walking down the middle the aisle letting people know that we was late. Like he was trying to let them show that the band was late. And we wasn't late, but he brought us in anyway. So we went to his dressing room he told us, you know, y'all know, you know most of my songs, y'all done recorded some of my stuff, just follow me and I'm gonna count them off and y'all follow. So we did. And then he couldn't think of my name on the recording. And he kept saying, in the jungle brother, in the jungle. And he kept pointing at me, and I'm like looking around like, who is he talking to? And he finally said, in the jungle, and Pell said, he talking to you. So he made me start playing. But before then, I didn't know who he was talking about. He was doing this, 25 50 75 $100. i am like, what is this? He was fanning me. He fanned me $125 because I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so that's how we got with James because Marvel quit and – she went back to Kansas City, and Majo and them they decided they didn't want to play with James no more. They started their own band, uh, Majo and the Kingsman. So they left James, and then we started doing a lot of recording with James. We travel and did a lot of stuff, and then. Uh,
1: what was what was li- what was what was the lineup uh, at that moment?
0: It sounds.
1: Th- what was the lineup of the band at that moment? Who was in Well, the-
0: we would play, uh, the band would start playing instrumentals. No, I mean, personnel-wise,
1: uh, personnel it was you and Catfish and Bootsy? Well, you talking about the whole J.B. band?
0: Yeah. But the whole J.B. band, when we got with uh, James Brown as the J.B., it was, uh, we had uh, Clayton Gunnels on trumpet. We had this dude named Highside on trumpet. We picked him up in... Cleveland, Ohio, when we was playing with Marvin Whitney at a club. And uh, we had uh, Catfish on guitar, Boosie on bass, me on drums. And there used to be a guy named Robert McCullough on saxophone. But Robert quit the band and went, I think he moved to Milwaukee with his wife and kids. And uh, so the band, with, uh, it was uh, Jabbo, St. Clair, Johnny Greer, and a guy named Cheese Martin. Then was the guys that was in the band when we joined it. And then James didn't know what to call us, so like I said, the first night we played with him, he didn't know what to call us, so he told everybody the JBs, ladies and gentlemen, the JBs. And that's how we became the JBs, cause he didn't know what to call us, cause we was called the Blackenizers, and I don't think he wanted to call us that, so he just changed the name to the JBs. And where 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 was the first gig that you played? I think it was in uh, Columbia, Georgia or uh, Columbia, South Carolina. You know, I know it was Columbia, something, but it's been so long ago, I can't remember. But that's yeah. where we did our first recording too. We did our first recording with James at that at that particular time. And you hear on the sh- you can hear it on the show when he say in the jungle, brother. He ain't never said that no more in no other record ever. You know, but he didn't know my name. He was gonna to try to call me Tiger, but he couldn't remember Tiger. So he said, in the jungle, I know it's a jungle name. So he said, in the jungle, brother, you know? So that's how we got with James. If it wasn't for Charles Sproulin, we would have never got with James Brown.
1: What was going through your mind when you were realizing, you know, you were on stage playing with James Brown all of a sudden?
0: You know, it was, most people would have been impressed with him, you know. But we had been around him so long at King's studio, you know, we was just comfortable with him. We, you know, you know, he always talked to us, uh, I guess like a father or something, you know. But we half the time, we couldn't understand what he was saying. You know, and he'd be mumbling and stuff. I mean, he used to try to tell me how to play drums you know, and he would tell me to get up off the drum and he'd do something with his hands and play. And I would say, yeah, I got it, but I didn't have it. So I uh, I used to think a lot of stuff, you know, when I played with him, I mean, you know, it, I mean, we didn't have no meat sheet music in front of us. None of that kind of nonsense. We, it was just off the top of our head when we recorded, you know, and that's why he recorded everything right there in the studio. So when we went on tour, the whole bands, whatever we sound like in the studio, he wanted us to sound like that on stage. So he did everything in the studio like that. Everybody, the horn section, the rhythm section. He would have everybody there, Bobby Bird and everybody recording right there in the studio. So it would sound like that when we go on stage. Which we, we did. We we were the best band he ever had. You know. Yeah, we I can't good. argue that. We made more recording, we, we, we made him more money than any band he ever had, you know? We changed his whole style of playing, of his, we changed his whole style of music, because James was doing a lot of shuffle with blues when we got with him. He wasn't doing no syncopation and, and funk stuff, he got that funk stuff from us, but he got credit for it, you know, because it was his thing, you know?
1: Did you realize at the time how innovative the music was?
0: not really you know we was just I guess blessed going through the, the changes you know we were just playing we we was young and we was just enjoying playing music you know and then and we had really never been nowhere in Cincinnati so when we start traveling it was really a, a a treat we was getting paid for something that we enjoyed doing so we never really thought about what we was doing you know I mean it was just we recorded and we kept recording and recording. Sometimes we'd be on tour out of town, and he called at the end of the gig at night. We think we can go back to the hotel. He would take us to a studio and record that night, and we record to three or four, or five o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm.
1: But Bootsy talks about how how um, James taught him the one, and, no, that's a lie. and that he brought the one to George
0: Clinton. So, tell us about that. We, I mean, we already was playing, you know. James didn't know, I mean, we was already playing. Like I said, James didn't write none of the music. The band played most of the stuff, and he took credit for it, you know. And and a lot of stuff Boosie, I hate to say this, but a lot of stuff Boosie said is a lie. Boosie, I mean, he can't even remember the truth. He's been lying so much, he can't even remember the truth anymore. That's what killed me about him. He's been lying so much, and this is the truth, like I told you. Frank Waddy never recorded nothing. only song he ever recorded was uh, uh, The the Grunt. And that's when I got fired and got sent to Augusta Georgia to play with this guy named Leon Austin. And they hired Frank to take my place. And he recorded one song. He never recorded none of Boosie. If you look on Boosie's album, he didn't, he didn't record none of the songs on Boosie's album. And when I recorded them al- them songs on Boosie's album, he took my name off the album and put Casper the Friendly Ghost as his drum. I quit Boosie and went to Detroit and started playing with the Spinner, with Felipe Wynn. Felipe Wynn was our lead singer in the Pacemakers. And when Felipe, he left the band and moved to Detroit and got with the Spinner's. So when I quit the band, Catfish had, went to Detroit with Boosie and them and told me that he had ran into Felipe. And Felipe was in Detroit playing, with the Spinner's. And he wanted me to call him. So I called Felipe, and he asked me did I want to come up there and audition for the Spinners up in Detroit. And I went up there, and they was that, they was right next to uh, one of the Motown studios at Ziggy Johnson Dance Studio. And uh, I I took my drums into the studio with them, and I played with records. They had some records they wanted me to play wrong. And I practiced, I played, I auditioned with records, not in a band. And they said, well, okay, we like you. We want you to join the band, but they didn't have no gigs. So I went back to Cincinnati, and I got a band together and came back to Detroit and started playing with this woman named Laura Lee. And the spinners got us hooked up with this woman named Laura Lee. And she had a record out called Since I Fell For You and uh, uh, Woman Love Right. And she was on tour with Al Green, the Bar-Kays, and Rufus Thomas. And that's what I did for the whole year before I got with the Spinners. I toured with Laura Lee when I lived up in Detroit. And then uh, the Spinners hooked up with Aretha Franklin to be her opening act. And we started playing up in New York and stuff with Aretha, different colleges, black colleges and stuff. And Aretha got the Spinners with Atlantic Records. And Atlantic Atlantic Records hooked the Spinners up with Tom Bell. And that's how they came out with uh, could it be I'm falling in love I, I, real, yeah and saving and stuff well I was touring with them when they had all them records out I toured we toured with the temptation the OJs, and uh bloodstone places like with the with the spinners because they was an opening that and we played we did things like uh midnight special uh mike Douglas, Merv Griffith you know and uh, uh Earl J- Earl James Jones, Earl J- the actor. Earl, um, you got it right. The TV show. Earl yeah, James he had a TV Jones. show. Yeah, he had a TV show in L.A. and we played on his show, and I played behind uh, Odetta, an old woman, a folk singer. They had me play behind her and this little boy named Little Dion. When I was out in L.A. with them, so I stayed with the Spinner for about five years, and then I went back to Cincinnati, and I hooked up back with Boosie and them.
1: Can I, and, can, I uh, can I, can I, can I slow your roll right here to, to go back a little bit and talk a, a few questions? Okay. Yeah. I don't, I hate to interrupt your train of thought cause you're really on the roll, but I want to ask a few questions too. So, um, so why, uh, what happened that you got fired from, uh, the JBS? But
0: not paying attention, not paying attention, you know, uh, I used to always look at Jabbo, like the songs that I recorded with James. Sometimes James would let Jabbo play the songs instead of me. And I would look at Jabbo trying to play them and I'd be laughing at him playing them You know, I'm young. I'm stupid. I ain't got no sense, you know. And uh, I'm looking at him. I'm laughing. And I'm turning around, James Brown doing this to me because I'm not paying attention. So they let me go. But I had hooked up with this guy named Leon Austin. There was James Brown, personal barber, and his friend that taught him how to play play piano a little bit. So they sent me to, a, they didn't send me to Augusta, Georgia. I re, I was recording some songs behind Leon at King Record for James Brown. And Leon liked the way I played. He asked me, did I want to come to Augusta, Georgia? And I said, yeah. I went down there and stayed with him for a couple of months. But then James' daddy told me to go back to Cincinnati. One day I was sitting in a barbershop at, at Leon's barbershop and James Daddy came in the barbershop and told me to come walk with him. He's like, Come on, come on, boy, we'll go walk with me. So I went walking with him. And as we was walking, he was telling me I should go back to Cincinnati. And I'm like, Why? You know, he said, I just think you should go back home. So I was on my way, and I was telling my cousin, because I had brought my cousin down there with me. And my cousin said, Well, come on, let's go back home then, you know. So I was on my way to <laughs> I was on my way to go to the the bus station, and I noticed that James Brown and uh, Leon was following us in a limo on the next street over. And uh, so eventually, when I got down to the post office, James and Leon jumped out to call on me and asked me uh, why did I want to go back to Cincinnati. And James Brown kept saying, ain't nothing in Cincinnati. What you going back to Cincinnati for? But... I didn't know that James Brown wanted me back in the band, but he didn't want Leon to know that he wanted me back in the band. So anyway, the long thing, long, short story, I got back to Cincinnati. Boosie came over to my apartment and told me they wanted me back in the band. So I got back in the band. And maybe three or four weeks later, we went to Yule. That's when we did all that stuff like live in Paris in 71.
1: Yeah, I got that here, actually. I was going to show yeah. 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 This is like one of the live greatest recording. live
0: recordings ever, Tiger. Yeah. That was the best he ever had. I tell you, we was the best band James ever had, man. We was the best. The JV was the best band he had ever had. That CD is fire. It's fire. We recorded in uh, uh, Barcelona. I mean, we recorded the whole time we was over in Europe. Every time we played live, we recorded. You
1: That's the one he put out. I think it's also one of the best um spotlights on how good Catfish was on that guitar too.
0: Yeah, well, you know, Cat knew how to play behind uh, he had played behind singers before, you know, back in the day with doo wops. He knew how to play chords and stuff like that. But really Cat was a he was a bad bass player, man. I mean Cat could play this. He could play the strings off of bass and, and Bootsy couldn't even touch. Catfish on bass. Wow. you know. I'm gonna tell you a story about this. So, Catfish got, uh, well, he, Cat, Cat was at the pitcher for a minute. So we end up. I'm still playing with Boosie and him. We we still going up in uh, United and recording in Detroit. And we hired this guy named Ricky Evans. Ricky Evans was a guitar player. He was bad. He was a young boy from Cincinnati. He played. He came to rehearsal with a mutron. And Boosie was like, wow, what is that, man? And uh, Ricky was teaching him what a Mutron was. And that's where Boosie got his style, his sound of his bass from a Mutron, from Ricky Evans. you know? I mean, Boosie was a good bass player, but he wasn't all that. I mean, mean, he's an average bass player, just like I'm an average drummer. He's an average bass player, you know what I'm saying? Nothing, Nothing really special. only thing that was special about him was the Mutron, and the only song, and think think about this, the only song that Boosie had out there was a hit was I'd Rather Be With You, he didn't write that song, Mudbone, Gary Cooper, wrote that song, Boosie didn't write that song, and Boosie ain't wrote it. I mean, he might have been on some some songs with George, he got credit for it, but he only, only, he only had one hit record, and that was I'd Rather Be With You, He recorded a whole bunch of albums, and I'm on all his albums. Oh, wait a minute. Let me show you this. Hold on one second. I'm sorry I had to go, but listen, you know, this is funny. When I quit the rubber band, Boosie was always upset with me about that because he wanted me to be in the band. But this is what happened. When we was in Detroit and we was at this Ragley motel, the Funkadelos, Boo George, Boosie, uh, only one, the person that wasn't there was Catfish. So we went to get something to eat. So they bought some sandwiches and uh, they gave me a sandwich that somebody had bit out. It was a liver sandwich. They had wrapped it back up and bit off of it and gave it to me. But I took it personal. Like, oh, wow, these mother, they done gave me a sandwich and bit off. They laughing, you know. So my feelings was hurt. So me and Bernie were real walked up to the Red Barn restaurant up the street from the studio in the hotel where we stand at. That one got me so neat. So the whole time that night, I'm thinking about how to get back at them. So I said, oh, I know how to get back at them. I'm going to wait till we record. So we recording, and I'm playing. And every time Boosie wanted me to hit it on the one, I hit it on the two. Instead of one, I hit two. So Boosie kept saying, 'Bob, Bob.'" Bob you missed missing the one. I'm like, oh, yeah. So it went all the way up to, to track 32. I kept messing up. So they got Mudbone to come in and play drums on the track. So I got back in my car and drove back to Cincinnati. So I, the whole time I'm driving back to Cincinnati by myself, I'm like, I'm quitting the band. I got to quit the band. Frank Waddy was playing with a band called 400 Years or What around the corner from where we lived at. So I went around the corner and asked Frank, did he want to play with Boosie? He was like, yeah, man, you don't want to play? And I'm like, "Nah, you going to play with him, man. I don't want to play with him. So I quit the band and started playing with the band Frank was with for years of what. But like I said, Frank ain't never recorded nothing. He never recorded nothing on Boosie's album. He never recorded nothing on George album. He only recorded one song. And everything he tell y'all about the pacemakers and the house guests, all of them are lies. only band he played with, Boosie, was called The Complete Strangers. That was the only band Frank played with Boosie and them with. Now, Boosie was telling people, he would never tell nobody who I was. He would always say the other drummer. When they asked him about catfishing him, he would always say the other drummer, right? And he would never mention me because he was trying to blackball me because I didn't want to play for him. Now, I'm on all his albums. I'm on this album. My name is on this album. I record I, you come to think of it. I recorded this whole album. I'm I'm playing drums on this whole album. But he didn't know my name, right? I recorded this album with Boosie. Okay. And he don't know my name. I recorded God Mama, the group that girl group that he was producing. And I started playing, yeah, I'm on that. My name is on that one. Now, he don't know my name, but when it came to people asking him who the drummer was, he didn't know my name. But I'm on all his albums. And the last time I went on tour with them, who did I play with? I played with the sweat band. Maisie o. Parker, you know. <laughs> That's who I was. I'm the, I'm the drummer on sweat band. Me and Razor Johnson, me and uh, uh, David Sean, uh, 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 Mike Mitchell. You know uh, Butch Small, man. Listen, yeah, that's me. Look at that. My name on the back, but he don't know my name. Ain't that funny? That showing you how people, how people dog you out when you don't go along with their program. You know. And we still talk. Me and him and Patty. I mean, I just I was just up there for his birthday this year. You know, I was just up in Cincinnati day last year, I guess, for his birthday. You know, and and I, I got T-shirts maybe. Well, cause... <laughs> uh, I want you to see this. Oh, yeah, put it up a little higher.
1: Yeah, there you go. That was nice.
0: And do you see the picture of the band? I this. Man, that's a complete stranger. That's, that's the only band Frank Whitey played with. And that's the, yes and that, and that's the house guest right there. That's the picture of the house guest band. I hate to tell you this, but sometimes you can't believe everything somebody says or tell y'all. People tell lies. And then they tell lies because they don't want to give you credit. But I recorded a lot of stuff with James. Man. I re- I recorded everything. I re- I even recorded some some uh let me think. Uh, Otis Redding did a TV show, and the drummer wasn't that strong on the TV show, so they had me to overdub some drum tracks like "Shout Battle Llama" and some other tr- tracks he did on the TV show. I'm playing I played. I played with Gene Red. Gene Red was an A&R guy at King Records. I worked for Gene Reed All Star Band when I wasn't playing with Boosie and them. I mean, you know, I, I hate to say that this cat. I mean, I like him, but he he tell lies. And then he can't remember stuff well let me let me, bootsy, let
1: me ask you uh, uh tiger you mentioned about catfish kind of uh going away a little bit and at some point it seemed like bootsy kind of took the lead whereas catfish used to have the lead why did
0: that happen the truth that when cat got had to go away for a while george and Bootsy had already been hooking up see when we first met george we was in detroit playing at Mar- uh, Malia Franklin Mother Club. Malia Franklin was a singer in George Clinton. Malia was going with the trumpet player in our band named Ronnie Greenway. Ronnie Greenway and Malia was going together. So, and uh, Ronnie Greenway took care of all our businesses when it came to sign contracts and stuff. Ronnie Greenway read the contracts and made sure they was right and signed him. Up. He was the only one in the band at the time that had a college education. So he hooked up with Malia. Excuse me. So Malia told told us that George Clinton, like he was looking for a band like us, and she wanted to take Ronnie to introduce him to George. So Ronnie Greenway went and met George Clinton, not Boosie. Boosie told that a lie that he went and met George Clinton. That wasn't the truth. Why would we let Boosie be the band leader when he was the youngest cat in the band? Why? That don't make no sense. I mean, common sense will tell you the oldest cats in the band was the, the one we bleed in. That was the oldest guy, Ronnie Greenway. He's the only one had a, co- a college education. So we let him sign all the contracts for us when we played at clubs and stuff. Boosie wasn't in charge of nothing. Believe that. Only time we got in charge of something was with him and George scheme, and got the band called The Rubber Band. And they stole that name from a country band and they had to pay that, pay them to keep the name. You know? So, I mean, you know, and then like I said, if you think about it, who was in the band with Boosie from the old band? From the house guests, who was in the new rubber band?
1: Mudbone.
0: Was Nobody. One. Nobody. Nobody. Was you know, because he had cut everybody. Yeah, cut everybody throats. No, but wasn't Mudbone from in that? No. Boosie got Mudbone from this group called and Razor Johnson. He, he got them from this group called uh, Madhouse out of Baltimore, Maryland. Right. That's when he got and when Mudbone came and played with us, uh we was living on Kemper Lane in Cincinnati. And that's when I met that's when I really met Mudbone. And me and him still friends today. I talked to him. Yesterday, and uh, he don't do he don't he don't deal with Boosie and him and Boosie was like this at one time, and then Boosie missed him around so bad. My boy, no, he want to mess with him because that's how Boosie is. Hmm. I mean, seems I hate to put it out there like that, but you know, sometimes when guys get power and get money, they whole they whole thing change, you know, and that's what happened with Boosie he ain't got no friends. He ain't got no friends. He ain't got nobody gonna play with him. Who for? You know, he can't even get a band to play with him no more. So he he just retired. You know, George still gigging. Yes, he is. And George got all his family members out there gigging, making money. Well, Mudbone plays with George too now. That's why he with George and Peanut. When Peanut, look at Peanut, was with the Rubber Band. Peanut quit the rubber band and go with George Clinton. You know, ain't nobody ain't nobody playing with Boosie. Nobody. Even when Frank was playing with Boosie in the last couple of tours, Boosie he dialed Frank down so bad, he had Frank walking up and down on the stage like he was a band director, and he had another cat playing drum. He didn't have Frank playing drums. Frank, like I said, Frank ain't never Frank is a yes man. That's why George had him out there with him. That's why Bootsy had him out there with him. Frank White is a just a, just a, a yes man. You know? And, and like I said, he ain't show me some show me some records that he recorded.
1: No. So did you play on any of the 70s uh Bootsy's rubber band stuff or no? I recorded all this stuff.
0: I just showed you. Right, that's all from this. the nineties, though. Right. And then then I tell you this. At one time, I went out to his house and recorded like eight drum tracks, eight drum tracks, and he put it on a DAP machine. And he used my drum tracks for a whole lot of record. He didn't pay me for, you know. He would always tell me, "Yeah, Bob, when I when I get this deal over in Germany, I'm gonna pay you more money. Or when I get this deal over in London, I'm gonna pay you more." I never got no more money, you know. I mean, I'm still cool with him, but I, I don't, I don't mess with him like that no more. You know, we, just, I consider us just friends. That's it. You know, he asked me to do something for him. I might come and do it, but as far as play with him, play for him, nah. Don't nobody want to work with Boosie no more. Well, who, who inspired you in your drum playing, Tiger? My, my uncle. I had an uncle named, I had an uncle named John Green. They call him Jug. And uh, he played jazz on the weekend. And I had to live with him and my aunt a while back when I was younger. And my uncle used to get drunk on the weekend and couldn't drive himself back home from the gig. So my aunt asked me to start going to the gigs with him and driving him back and forth, you know. And uh, one day I was sitting in the back of the club, eating some tater chips and drinking a Pepsi Cola. That's the God truth. And I started start seeing all the women dressed up and the guys and suits and everybody was having fun and, and I like oh I like this you know I like this atmosphere so I you know I asked my uncle to teach me how to play drums and my uncle told me if I knew if I learned how to break his drums down and set them up he would teach me so I, that's how I learned first well that's how I started learning then I started going around different places different clubs sneaking in clubs on the weekend watching other drummers play you know and then I used to. At nighttime, I used to listen to the Nashville uh, radio stations, and they would play, They would always have the latest records in Nashville. And I would put the radio underneath my pillow and listen to them all night long, go to sleep, listen to that. And then when I first started playing music, I started practicing with records. That's how I started learning how to play drums. I practiced with 45 records and 33 records. 45 records, I would slow them down to 33 speed so I could learn the beat. And then 33s, I would slow them down to 78 so I can learn the speeds on that. And then I would put them back to the reckless speed and practice. And that's how I got good keeping my timing. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I, was, I was a pocket drummer. i always been a pocket drummer. I mean, I played my ass off, you know. I played, I played stronger than Clyde because I was stronger than Clyde. I played better than Jabbo because I, I was funkier than Jabbo, you know. So, you know. But I didn't know what I was doing because I was self-taught, you know. I didn't go to no school or I didn't go to no drum lessons <laughs> or nothing like that. I taught myself how to play. Are there any uh, other drummers that we know of that you admired? Oh, I like Dennis Chambers. I, he was one of my best friends. I like uh brother, you know. I like Mazio brother, brother, uh, Melvin Parker. I, me, me, Melvin Parker was like that. And uh, I like... Uh, I like this cat named Bo Dollar. He used to be in a band called The Daps at King Records. And it was an all-white band, but they was bad. They, see, James wanted them to be his next band before he got us. But this guy named Bud Hopgood, that was James' uh, manager or something, took the band over, and uh, he died. And in some kind of way, James didn't want to use them no more. But... Uh, Goldado was a bad drummer. I like him. And uh, who else? Oh, I loved uh, Bernard Purdy. Mm-hmm. I went play with Aretha Franklin. I met him a couple times. I play. I even played with on the show with him a couple times. And him and Cornel Dupree and all them. I played with them a couple times. Yeah. I really like Bernard the way he played. You know. But mainly. Uh, uh, I, I like Clyde. I like I like when I used to see Clyde in the studio playing. I just like like to see the way he played. But you know, I got along with Melvin. Uh, Melvin, you know, made old brother. He was real cool. You know, they wouldn't. You know, they didn't act like they was on a pedestal or above everybody. You know, they was real friendly and nice. Let me tell you why we quit, Jack. After we was over in Europe, we had been in Europe for a couple, oh, about six weeks, and. James had told Catfish that he was going to be the band leader, and we was going because we we wanted to be the we wanted to take control of the, the music that we played. On because when we started the show, the band played a couple of songs before James and them came out. And then this is how the show went: the band would play, and we would play so many songs, and then James would come out and do a short, quick show go back in. and Then Bobby Bird, Vicky Anderson, or Marvel Whitney, and Cly- Clay Tyson would come out in between the shows, and we would play behind them, right? And Then James would come back out. But the main thing was that James, he, I don't know how he was thinking, because he made, the Dave Matthews quit the band and stopped being a band leader, the, the dude that He had a long beard and a half. When he was over in Europe, he was a band band leader. He told Catfish he was going to be the band leader. So when we was at the Cobra Cabana in New York playing, as we came back from Europe, we had two weeks there. The first week he told us that Fred Wesley was going to be the band leader. So we quit. Me, Boosie, and Catfish, and the chick, Clayton Gunner, we quit. So he told us to bring our uniforms to the hotel, he was standing at the Americana somewhere, and we stand at the Gorham Hotel, we went to the Americana with our uniform, and he had money piled up on his beard, this hat, I mean, for real, he had money piled up on his beard, he told us to drop our uniforms on the floor, and Mr. Baba gave us our envelope with our money, and he didn't say two words to us, and we just left, and we went, to, then we came back to Cincinnati, and we did an interview on this radio station. Talking about James Brown. We're talking about how bad he treated people, how bad the money was. You know, he was taking a hundred and five dollars out our paycheck every week, telling us it's for taxes. And the find out that he didn't pay no taxes. That's how they took all his money when they busted him, right? Hmm. So anyway, James taking our money. So we went on a radio show and talked about him. I mean for real, we talked about him for about two hours. His people, and we was in Cincinnati, you know he had his office in Cincinnati. The next song he came out with was The Big Payback. And The Big Payback was about us. If you listen to the lyrics of The Big Payback, it was all about us. <laughs> Boosie had been messing with Marva Whitney. If James found out about that, that's why him and Marva fell out. And he got rid of Marva, Marvel Marva like Boosie, and Boosie like Marva, and something was going on with them while we was on the road, I don't know what. And then we talked about the money. He didn't like that. And, he, and then we quit in between two weeks of a show, so we messed up with money. He talked about that, messing with his money. If you listen to the payback, he talking about us.
1: That's very, very interesting. I like that track, though, that's for sure. Were, were, you, yeah. on, were you on this one? I don't know,
0: because, you know, James had a lot of recording. He kept a lot of records on it. And he never did put all our names on everything.
1: Because it's the JB's uh, Catfish is on here.
0: Well, if Catfish on there, I'm on there. 1970. If Catfish, if anything Boosie and Catfish recorded, I recorded. Why would I Why would I not be on the recording and I'm the drummer with them? Yeah, I figured you might be on you know this not, one, too. You, you know what I'm saying? So why wouldn't I be on all the recording with them if I was a drummer with them in the beginning? Yeah. So that's sort of crazy. But Bootsy was mad at me because I, I didn't want to play with him no more. When Cat wasn't in the band, I didn't want to play in the band. Because it was just funny. It, was a, it had a funny feeling to me. And, and you know, and Bootsy wasn't, I don't know, he wasn't, I, I didn't really like Bootsy that much. I, I loved you know, I've,
1: Bootsy. I've met, it was a long time ago, but I've met Bootsy. I never got to meet uh, Catfish. What What was his personality like?
0: Cat was a country boy. He was from Kentucky. They were really a- Boosie and his mama and them were originally from Lexington, Kentucky, before they moved to Cincinnati. Cat was real friendly. We used to go- man, we used to go fishing all together. This is how the band got real tight. Me, Boosie, Catfish, and Chicken, we used to all go fishing together. We rehearsed every day. We didn't have no jobs, so we rehearsed every day. Only time we made some money when we were playing on weekends like the, at nightclubs before we even got with King Records. And then when we got with Charles Spreland, that's when we started traveling and doing chilling gigs and stuff. Like we never left Cincinnati until we got with Charles Spreland. And then Charles Spreland had this guy named uh, Artie Sherman play organ, and his wife named Peggy Sherman sang in the group. And we all toured together, you know. But uh, we, we was cool. I mean, we were so tight. You couldn't even cut out, you couldn't even cut it with a butter knife. I mean, that's how tight our rhythm section was, you know? And, uh, I mean, Catfish taught Boosie how to play bass better, you know? And catfish, and Boosie, Boosie learned. I mean, he wanted to be just like his brother. You know, he really did. Yeah, I mean, And you can see that he loved Catfish and he wanted, he idolized Catfish, you know? You can really tell that. And, uh, and his mama, Miss Collins, you know, that's, That's all they had was her and their sister Brenda, you know. I used to live with them cats, man. I used to live with They had a dog named Champ. They had their mama, Miss Collins, their sister Brenda, their nephew, Gray, Catfish, and Boosie. I used to live with them cats. That's how tight we was. I lived in three houses they lived in Hmm. with them. And then we lived on Kemper Lane together. We all lived in separate apartments. Bootsy and his mama and Brenda lived in one apartment. Catfish and his wife lived in another apartment. And me and this girl from Panama lived in another apartment upstairs. So, and we and we rehearsed every day in his mama basement. Every day we rehearsed. That's well, why we were so tight. I was,
1: you know, I was too young to ever see the JB's, but I did see Bootsy's rubber band in 1978,
0: and that band was super tight. Oh, they were bad. I mean, they was part of the other band. I mean, you had he had Maisie O, he had Fred Wesley, he had Kush. he had uh, uh, Trump, another trumpet player. Uh, Rick. Rick. And then he had uh, he had Peanut, he had uh, Mudbone, he had uh, Catfish playing guitar, he had Frank playing drum. I mean, the band was tight. And I mean, Razor, yeah. Catfish and Boosie was like this. They were brothers. So their rhythm section was killer. All Frank had to do was hold a pocket. That's all he had to do was hold a pocket, and a lot of times he didn't hold a pocket like he was supposed to, you know? So that's why they got rid of Frank and had other guys playing drums instead of Frank. I mean, seriously. That's why he started a new rubber band. So he got rid of all the old rubber band members and started new guys. And I was supposed to be in the new rubber band, but I didn't want to play with them.